This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. Welcome to the Big Ed Idea Podcast, a podcast for those looking to change the world through education. Each week, we bring you a new idea, however big or bold it is, that has the potential to disrupt, upheave, or remix education. Now here's your host, our dad, Ryan Scott. Welcome back to another episode of the Big Ed Idea Podcast. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Um, this is episode 2.12. Um, we have a really special guest, uh, kind of a big deal in the state of Kentucky here. Um, this young lady, you may have heard of her before. Her name is Allison Sloan. She is a 23-year special education teacher from Rowan County, Kentucky. She is the co-founder of Kentucky Reads which is an organization that provides PD on dyslexia. She started Kentucky Teachers in the Know four years ago, and uh, that is a Facebook group, Twitter group, and I think an Instagram group now also um, that aims to keep educators informed on resources, ideologies, and policies. And she was also appointed by the Kentucky Governor Bashir to be the first active teacher to serve on the Kentucky Board of Education. Um, so like I said, she is kind of a big deal. So Miss Allison, thank you very much for being on the Big Ed Idea Podcast. Thank you, I'm honored to be here. Very glad you invited me. No, I definitely, I kind of took a leap and reached out to you in the Twitterverse or maybe it was Facebook, I don't know, one of those, um, reached out and you, um, yeah, you were all, ab- all about it. So just thank you very much. And so, yeah, thank you. Um, so, Miss Allison, one of the first things, you know, I'm, I'm a big proponent in the connections before content phrase. And so I always try to get to know my guests as much as possible. I just feel like, you know, we have a better conversation that way. Um, and so what I like to do first is kind of talk about what's going on in our households right now. Um, and so what's up at the Scott House? And so here are my three words for what's up at the Scott house. So spring break, date night, and beautiful weather. Um, And so let me explain what those mean. Spring break. Okay. My oldest Madison is a freshman at Murray state. And so she is home um, for spring break and it's great, great, great to have her back home. Um, I think you can understand what I'm talking about. Um, when your baby, well, she's not my baby anymore, but when she goes off and she's not here anymore, it's great to have her back in the house. Um, second word, date night. My wife and I went out Friday night and listened to some music. We love music, so we love to go and listen to music. Um, and then my last word, beautiful weather. Today was absolutely gorgeous here in Western Kentucky. Um, girls played outside on the trampoline all day. Wife and I sat outside and just watched them. And so that's what's going up at the Scott house. Miss Allison, what's going on in the Sloan household? 
Well, I was thinking about that, and I thought I kind of went with the the triple A action here, and, and oh, okay. you know, not treated on the side of the road, but <laughs> <laughs> um, my three words are art, auction, and animals. Mm. So to explain that a little bit, okay. uh, my daughter and I are both artists, so we uh, we like to dive into that a little bit, and we we have our kind of our studio in the garage, and so we like to paint, and she's more into the sketching and creative side of the art world. And, and I also teach some art classes. So I did that. I had a private art class on Friday night. So that's one of my three words. And then cool. auction, we just recently did an auction that benefits a teacher in the state of Kentucky um, by selling things online, having an online auction and people bid on that. So that just finished this weekend. So I've been trying to work on gathering up who the winners are and sending information and stuff. So I'm, I'm glad to say that we're, I think, um, raised over $900 to benefit oh, one great. of the in Kentucky so I'm really happy with that and then my third was animals because as I mentioned earlier before we started <laughs> I have dogs and a, and a cat and they kind of rule our world so I get it. Yeah. You know, we're constantly having to take them out or do this or that and, and our little Yorkie likes to cuddle so we've been doing lots of cuddling today too so <laughs> with the big dog in the pretty weather as you mentioned excellent yeah for sure for sure you know um, one thing that I really pride myself on is that you know I'm just a regular guy um, Allison, you're just a regular lady. Uh, we just happen to be, you know, we just happen to be in the world of education. And um, I don't want to ever want to come across as, you know, some educational guru or whatever. So um, I'll tell you, before I get to this next question, I am dying to ask you this. Uh, as I said in your intro, you um, are the first active teacher to serve on the Kentucky Board of Ed. So I have got to know, and I think our listeners need to know, how did you get that um honor sure so um in sort of all of the stuff that's been going on in education the last three or four years in kentucky i had been had the honor of meeting um jacqueline coleman prior to being our lieutenant governor and so i we were just talking and kind of hashing out some ideas and we were talking one day through email about how there's not an active teacher on the State Board of Education and that that voice teacher voice is something that I'm very much an advocate for and, and really think is extremely important as well as student voice. Um, and so we just talked about that and I thought and I, you know, said that would be a great idea that we should have an active teacher and and I knew at the time legislation said there could not be a voting member that was an active teacher. So, you know, to me, the vote wasn't as important as the sure. voice. Sure. So we just talked about and then she took it to the governor and called me back a, a few weeks later I was in my classroom actually dealing with I teach children with emotional behavior disorder so I had a child having a bit of a meltdown so my my assistant and I were trying to deal with that and I was getting a phone call from at this point she was now the lieutenant governor and so it was kind of interesting but she when we got to talk she said remember that idea we talked about and I was like well yeah she said we love that idea we'd like you to do it I said I'm not sure that was quite the what I would meant but I, I was honored for the uh offer and absolutely have been honored to be there so yeah that's that's how it happened that so is, sometimes it helps to really just talk about ideas with people oh yeah for sure like uh um i'm in the middle of writing my first book and um i just was having a conversation with um a, a young lady that i met through twitter and um she happened to be a publisher and i was just throwing her some ideas that i just was thought thinking about never ever thinking that she would say, okay, we'll write it down. Um, so yes, I get it. Sometimes, sometimes we just got to go for it, you know? Absolutely. Okay. Um, and I wonder also, as I sit here thinking about that, 
Is that a normal thing on other state boards of ed for teachers to serve, or is that kind of kind of a, a rarity? Um, it's not a rarity, actually, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but there are actually several state boards of ed across the country that have active teachers um, and students participating. So uh, again, I don't remember the number. I don't think it's an extremely high number, but they're adding more and more every day. So I know the last time we met with the National um, Association of School Boards of Education, there was quite a few, and I want to say that when I was added, a couple other states added uh, teachers as well. So it's it's growing. Well, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, you know, we want as much voice as possible. Um, and, and who better to ask than the people that are in the trenches? Um, Allison, I don't know about you. Sure. But and some of those people have votes and I, some of us don't, but some of those people across the country have actual votes on their board as well. Sure, sure. Um, anybody that's that's listening, because I know I have several listeners that are outside of Kentucky. Um, education, which I would say it's probably like this probably most places in the United States right now, but um, particularly in Kentucky, public education has been kind of attacked um, for the last four or five years or so. And so it's, it's great to have a teacher in the trenches actually helping make decisions that affect us. Um, so often the people up in Frankfurt, that's our capital, um, have little to no idea what goes on in our schools. Um, and so, like I said, it's just great. Allison, thank you for uh, being my voice on the uh, Kentucky Board of Education. Thank you. It's an honor. All right. Here's my next question. So this next section is called the two for two. Um, and like I said, it is meant to model connections before content. So I've got two getting to know you questions that have nothing to do with education. Okay. All right. If you could take a week off from life to immerse yourself in learning something new, what would it be? Oh, goodness. Something new. Yeah. Um, like you could go anywhere in the world. You could do anything for a week. Nobody's going to bother you. You don't have to feed the animals at home. Um, something. Yeah. Something you could totally immerse yourself in. Oh, goodness. Let's see. Two things kind of came to mind. And first, I kind of think maybe in NASA. And I don't know why. Mm. I'm not really a scientific mind, really. But I think just learning more about space and what's out there and getting to to experience some of the equipment and things that they use. And I know our Kentucky Teachers of the Year get to do that. I think um, most years oh, they lucky, get to go to lucky. NASA and kind of experience it. I've always been a little jealous. So I think I'd get to like to do that. Yeah, that would be very, very cool. Um, when I was a kid, I went to space camp. I don't camp. want to actually go to space, though. I don't want to go there, but I'll, I'll be glad to learn about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. I'd probably puke um, in the shuttle ride. But, um, when I was a kid, I did do space camp one year, and that was really cool. Um, but yeah, I definitely am not going to ride a rocket. So, Miss Allison, my next question, and I think you... I have mine, and, and I'm curious to, to hear what yours is. What is your most hated household chore? <laughs> uh, I would have to say dishes. Oh. Um, and, and luckily, I have a husband that does the dishes. So he, he is understanding, and he knows me well. <laughs> but I don't like to do the dishes. I don't like cleaning. I don't like putting them <laughs> away. Nothing about it. 
do I like that? So I'm very grateful. I'll do the cooking all day long as long as he does the cleaning. You know, actually, I love doing the dishes. That's I love to cook and I love to do the dishes because we have this really big window that that overlooks um, the back of our house. So it's kind of relaxing. Um, but okay. I absolutely hate folding laundry, um, possibly because we have a family of six. And so like laundry never, ever, ever ends. It doesn't for us either. So I understand that. <laughs> I, I wish I had doing the laundry, but I don't like the way. <laughs> sure, sure. Like I there are some days I would like to have disposable clothing so I could just toss it. Oh my. Only yes. if it was biodegradable. That would be that would be like that. My husband <laughs> would say as much as I buy clothing that I, I actually probably have disposable <laughs> clothing. <laughs> you sound a lot like my wife. Please don't tell her. Oh, there you go. Okay, Miss Allison, what we would get question? Along well. I think you would. I think you definitely get along. Miss um, Allison, what questions do you have for me? Well, you mentioned before we got started uh, with recording that you are not a native of Kentucky. So where are you from and what brought you to Kentucky? Okay, so um, I am actually, I, I was raised in Indiana, um, right outside of a little town called Santa Claus, Indiana which um, anybody locally knows that there's a real big theme park. It's called Holiday World. Um, if anybody out there doesn't know what I'm talking about, Google it. Holiday World is a kind of a big deal around here. It's getting bigger and bigger every year. Um, grew up there until I went off to college. And then when I was 22, yep, 22, I moved to Henderson. Uh, because I was going to be a dad very unexpectedly. Um, and so I moved to Henderson and I stayed with my baby girl ever since. And um, I have been in Henderson, Kentucky now 20 years. So yeah, that's, that's why I'm here. Yeah, I like that. Um, next question. What would be um, something that you think no one would probably believe about you? Ooh, something no one would believe about me. Hmm. Oh, okay. Okay. So like, uh, I am definitely on the pretty liberal side. Um, but I definitely, I have my routines and I have my, um, I'm definitely a routine guy. Um, I get up at four o'clock in the four o'clock in the morning every morning, uh, Monday through Friday, and I always have my clothes laid out. I have my coffee laid out. I have my bags packed, and and if I deviate from that routine at all, so yeah, I'm definitely a super routine guy, um, and I like to joke, but I really I really don't think it's I really think it's true. Like that's my coping mechanism. I'm very, very ADD, ADHD, whatever you want to call it. And so to overcompensate, I have like immersed myself in Google calendar and all of these routines. And, um, that's how I cope. Um, and I'll tell you, Allison, you, you mentioned that you were an EBD teacher. That is my love. That is my passion. Those, those kinds of kids, um, and one thing I think you would agree with me is that like kids thrive on structure and routine and um, Ryan Scott, 
thrives on structure and routine. <laughs> I'll tell you something odd. I, I strive on structure and routine for my students and I provide it well. I do not provide it well for myself. <laughs> well, that's awkward. I can advocate for my kids all day long. I can provide it for them. I can teach them how to do it, but then it falls apart when the classroom door closes and I head home. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Completely understand that as well. Um, okay. Your oh. next book should be about your organization skills. Uh, I, I really don't know <laughs> if I could write 50,000 words on organizational skills. Um, there you go. True. Yeah. I, I don't think about it. Um, okay, <laughs> Miss Allison, now that I know you and you know me a little bit more, um, now it's time to get into the meat of this whole thing. Um, and as I have been doing this podcast over the last couple of years, one thing that I've found is that people's origin stories, so uh, the way they got into education, normally falls into two camps. So, you know, you've got the one person that since they were seven years old, they've always wanted to be a teacher. And, you know, they never deviated from it. That's who they were. That's what they wanted to do. And then on the other hand, you have these folks that kind of fell into it. And so I'm really curious, how did Allison Sloan find the big world of special education? Um, I am one of those that falls into the, I've always wanted to be a teacher and never deviated from it. Okay, okay. Uh, when I was very you know, set my stuffed animals and my dolls around little tables and I provided lesson plans and books and I taught them and I loved every minute of it. Um, when my dad remarried, uh, my my bonus mama, I, I have two wonderful mothers, um, was a second grade teacher. Oh, cool. So I, you know, grew up, I'd go to her classroom, I'd decorate bulletin boards, I'd go with her to summer tutoring programs and teach the kids in her classroom and and so when I became a senior, I think they panicked for just a moment that maybe they had pushed me into education. So I started finding pamphlets for pharmacy school laying all over oh, the gosh. house. And I was like, I don't know why you're doing this um, because I want to be a teacher and nothing else. So that that is how I got here. Um, my journey after becoming a teacher has been quite not what I expected, but becoming a teacher was everything I'd ever wanted to be. So that that's not been a surprise whatsoever. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah, you know, I, I mentioned... Um, I really haven't found too many people that have deviated from the, um, either it was a very linear path, um, or it was very, you know, I don't know how I got here, but I did. Um, and I definitely, I definitely fell into the, um, did not intend to be a teacher, uh, graduated. Mm -hmm. I was going to be a Marine biologist. Uh, but like I said, other plans happened when I was 22 and, um, I am so glad I found education. I definitely found my calling. Um, so, yeah, it's great. Great to be a teacher in Kentucky. I think people have a, there's, I've found this with student teachers I've had over the years that there's just something inside you, whether you had that path all along or you found it later, but there's something similar inside someone and they're just either meant to be a teacher or they're not yeah and and I think you can improve I've always said I, you know I've had student teachers that were stronger than other student teachers but if that if that innate feeling and that innate wanting to be a teacher was there um then you can build on that and you can become an amazing teacher but you know there are some people that's just not there and they either find it out the hard way because they thought that's what they wanted to do um, and they end up somewhere else in life, and that's okay too. But I truly believe that there's just something in someone's 
soul, I guess, that just makes them be a teacher and, and they go from there. So I think you're born to be one in one way or another, whether you knew it or not. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely, um, my wife and I, cause she, she's a social worker, but, um, I, I very much see teachers, social workers, um, kind of very similar. Um, we call it the John Lennon syndrome. Um, you may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. Someday I hope you'll join us and the world will live as one. Like I want to change the world um, through education. My wife wants to change the world through social work. And so, you know, some of the best teachers I've ever found, ever saw, um, see themselves there for way more than that content. And I'm definitely a firm believer um, in that type of type of, uh, I guess, work. And so, um, Miss Allison, I am very ready to get into this because I know you've got a ton to talk about and I don't want to, um, I don't want to kick the can anymore. Let's do it. Okay. Let's go. Okay. Okay. So, um, you know, before we can talk about what this big ed idea is, we have to know kind of where the problem in education lies. Um, and, you know, and, and we're not going to talk about all the problems because there are some, you know, there's there's quite a few. Um, but I'm, I'm curious about what you see as the main problem in education that your idea kind of hopes to alleviate. I, I truly think that the center of all the problems possibly is lack of communication. I think there is just such a... Um, hierarchy of people in education and people who think they know um, what needs to happen in education or people that think they are doing what needs to happen in education or they're doing it right whether they are or not. Um, there's, there's so many layers to it and so many people at different levels that communication is almost impossible to get 100% correct. And when that happens and when there's a breakdown with communication, it impacts every aspect of it. So there's, you know, right now we're seeing that, from, you know, from the classroom, teachers are somewhat isolated, you know, to do our jobs, we literally go inside of our classroom, inside of four walls, and with safe schools legislation, we lock the door, yeah. and, and we teach, and we yep. have our students, and we do what we're told to do, and, we're, and we do what we feel is the right thing to do, and we want to change children's lives, and inside those four walls, we do everything from content to mental health awareness to social skills and everything, food, you're you right, know, emotional things knows and and you know whatever it is listening to children talk feeding children you know I start my day with asking my students if they're hungry and even though breakfast just ended five seconds before you know I want to make sure their bellies are full so we That's do right. so many things within and we wear so many hats but then outside those walls there's an entire world happening around us that impacts what we're doing inside those four walls but the communication from all of those different aspects and layers isn't happening and not happening well when it does happen. Um, so, you know, you have that, and then you have the, the you know, your administration and your office staff, who then are, I kind of call them the gatekeepers. You know, they're there to help us, to protect us, to lead us, to teach us, but then outside the front doors is a whole world, a whole community, and you've got the families and the parents of the children that we've taken on and taken inside our doors that day, so they also have to communicate with them, and so then sometimes there's breakdowns between the family and community and us in our classrooms, and then you move on from the community, the local community, and you go to the state level and you have the state board or the state department of education. And then from there you have the legislature. 
you know, and a lot of people say politics have no place in education. And that, that's one of the reasons, you know, that we do what we do at Kentucky Teachers in the Know is to teach people that everything we do in education has come from some legislation at some point that's right. in our lives and before our lives, you know, from years down the road. And so trying to connect all that and showing people how the, all the pieces fall together is one of my main goals. Um, and which is, like I said earlier, the very reason I even started Kentucky Teachers in the Know. I said, you know, there's there's such a lack of understanding from people and communication of things that are available even to teachers that I literally just started the group because I wanted people to have access to that information. And so that is one of my biggest goals. And I truly think at the end of the day, communication is the biggest barrier that, barrier that we have um, to doing our jobs well and to other people understanding how we do our jobs. Yeah, I, no, I definitely definitely would agree with what you're saying yeah communication is a um it can be a really good thing when it works or it can be a really bad thing when it doesn't work um one of the things that i that i was really reflecting on as you were talking about this is is just this general sense i think sometimes johnny q public thinks they know what education is because they sat in a class you know they sat in classrooms yes. from from k through 12 um but as you and I probably would agree on, um, the world of education that we grew up in, completely different than the world of education that our students are living in. Um, absolutely. You know, um, and I, and I yeah, wish, absolutely. wish we could get back to the days where people just trusted teachers to do what was best. Like we didn't need legislation telling us what to do because we were already doing it. Mm -hmm. you know yeah absolutely you know even when I was in school it does it looks nothing like it was when we were in school but no. even when I first started teaching right the way I teach now and the way I do everything is completely different I, you know every two to three years it looks vastly different you know and I have some of the children of my first students now so even some of my first students would say wouldn't recognize what my classroom looks like you yeah. know and how I teach yeah um I moved from the middle school into the to an elementary school and then to high school in the last three years. And so now at the high school level, I'm having some of my students that I had when they were in middle school. And that's the and best. I had one the other day. I was yes, it is. I was helping with the test and he said, Miss Sloan, I think you've changed a lot since middle school. And I said, Oh, I've changed a really <laughs> lot since middle school. But not since middle school. <laughs> but you know, in just those three years, you know, even the way I deal with him and work with him has changed. And he recognized that. Great. That's great. Yeah. I like to say, um, I like to say if, if, if school looks like it did when we were a kid, uh, then we're doing something wrong. Um, so I love this idea about, about communication. And so, um, Miss Allison. Okay. So if a lack of communication is, is one of the problems in ed, what is your big ed idea? Well, just what I've been doing for four years, I want to bring together all the different stakeholders in education. I want yeah. them to listen to each other. I want them to understand the viewpoints and ideologies of the different people at the different levels and layers in public education. I think the more we share, the more we communicate, the more we can help each other and make sure we get it right. Um, the ideas of closed doors and making policies and things behind people's backs and then enforcing them on the people that are, you know, are boots on the ground, those are, that's the way of yesterday. And that has to change. I think, you know, again, we, we've done that a lot in the last four years. We now have the teacher on the State Board of Education. And I fought to keep that seat, whether it was me or someone else, 
that seat needs to be there for years to come. Um, I had someone ask me, you're fighting for that seat, but what if someone gets put in that seat that doesn't have the same ideas as everyone else? I said, it's still about having the voice right. and having the seat there that we've got to protect. Um, that's, that is my big idea is just making sure communication happens. Um, you know, I'll work with anyone. It does not matter to me, your political party, your, you know, where you grew up, where you were raised or what your title is. If you can help make things better for education and you're willing to listen and compromise, that's the start of everything. We have to start being willing to listen to people who maybe don't think the same way we do. And we have to be willing to share our ideas and realize that at the end of the day, we're not going to always bring them completely to the other side because they couldn't bring us to the other side either. That's why there's such thing as compromise. We have to somehow meet in the middle and we've got to find that happy ground. So that's my big idea. And I hope 10 years from now that this idea of sharing and communicating just continues to grow. Um, because I truly think if we keep hiding things from each other or we refuse to talk to each other that we're not helping our students. And at the end of the day, we have to help the kids. And that means those of us that are adults are going to have to start acting like adults doing the right thing. Amen. Amen, sister. Um, you know, um, we can, no, I mean it like, amen, shout it from the rooftops. Um, how can oh, we, I, <laughs> I know you have, and various, um, all the different social medias. Um, I hear you all the time and I appreciate you for doing that, but, but I'm going to be honest. I love the fact that you said we need to sit down with opposing viewpoints. That is so, oh man, it's, it's uncommon but it's what we need. Um, I don't know about you, Allison, but I'm so sick of flip-flopping back and forth. You never know if something's going to stay or if somebody's going to come into office and change everything. Like it is, it is impossible to have sustained change and sustained improvement when we treat education like a competitive sport instead of um, really the best chance to move our state forward. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, I invite people from all political parties, all types of organizations and the K groups, you know, we have our online talk show that we do in Kentucky Teacher in the Know called Ed Talk, and we have panel discussions, we have various guests at different times, and I always invite people that may or may not think the way I do, sure, and, and sure. I get pushback that they say why would you want them on there they voted against this or they voted against and I'm like but how are we ever going to change their mind if we don't invite them to the table to have this discussion if we close them out from the discussion we're not we're not changing anything we're just right. putting up walls again and we've got to break those walls down we were upset four years ago because they closed us out yeah. of discussions and they literally locked the doors at the capitol so then that that table turned thank goodness it did but then we had some of those same people saying we should do the same back to them and I don't believe that Yep. I don't believe that at all. I think someone has to speak up and be willing to say, I'm willing to cross this line. Is there someone else willing to cross it with me? And I think that's the most powerful thing we can do. Yes, ma'am. I think uh, the, you know, the only hope that we have, um, because anybody out there that may not be super familiar with Kentucky, our metrics are not that great. Um, when you look at our childhood poverty rates, when you look at our, um, uh, secondary um, degree completion, like, you know, college attainment uh, percentages, when you look at our, um, just all of those different quality of life metrics, Kentucky is not doing super hot out of the 50 states. And um, 
I truly believe the only way that we're going to improve that is like Allison said, um, breaking down those barriers, um, understanding, or maybe, maybe, and maybe this is, is radical to believe, but start believing that everybody's doing the very best that they can or that they know how to do. Um, and then, like you said, break down the barriers, cross the aisle. What can we do that makes both people somewhat happy? And how can we keep this, um, keep this going, so to speak? Um, I'll tell you, Allison, I work in a very conservative district, um, but I'm not super conservative. And anybody out there that, that works in a school understands that schools are like one of the best places that represent democracy because literally all of these teachers, all of these administrators more than likely aren't from the same political party or they have different opinions, but they get it done every day. And the reason they get it done is because they know their why. Um, and it seems like the higher up we go, we forget that. Um, Allison, what do, you, what do you think about that comment? I, I do think that is absolutely correct. You know, I was just thinking when you said that I'm at the high school for the first year ever in my 23 years career, and I've been in the same district. And, you know, 20 years at the middle school, I knew most of those people, and I probably knew more personally about them. Sure, sure. But I'm at the high school this year, and it just hit me when you said that. I thought, I don't know the political party of majority of people I work with. I have no idea. You know, there's a few, sure. But for the most part, I have no idea. But I know they're sitting there and they're doing their jobs and they're That's there right. for the kids every day and they're doing everything I do. They're doing everything they need to do for their content. And we're all still human beings at the end of the day. We're all still teachers. We're all still moms and dads and aunts and uncles. And, and we go home and we take care of our lives and we come back again tomorrow and we do the same stuff because our goal and our why is education. That's right. And I think that's so powerful to think about is that we're meeting the same goal and we may or may not have the same political beliefs or even religious beliefs or anything else. And I think that's so powerful. And I wish that the whole dynamic of education from every level and aspect could get to that point that we're talking about the education issues and not what political party someone belongs to. Gosh, so, so stinking true. Um, so, okay, I'm going to pick your brain. Do you have any, um, so like, how, do, how can we do that? Do you have any, any suggestions about how we can get to this? You know, I just keep doing it. I've done it for four years. And one of my things that I'm most, um, I don't even really think the word proud of is the correct word that I strive to be is to gain people's trust. Sure. You know, not everybody likes me. I don't expect everybody to like me. Not everybody agrees with me. And I don't expect that either. But at the end of the day, I keep just trying to show that I am who I am. And that if I say I'm going to do something, I do it. Yep. And if my goal is certain thing, then I'm, I'm going to reach that goal. And that may mean reaching out to people that I don't normally have the same thoughts as or the same beliefs as. But that I, I'm kind to people. I approach people with that, like you said, that everybody's doing the best that they can do even if we don't agree. Um, now, I will also call people out when, when they're saying they're doing one thing and they're doing something else, because I also believe that, you know, that's not being honest and that's no. not being truthful. And I think right. that should be called out, whether it's people that are supposedly on my side or someone else's side. 
But I think if, if more people could get to that, and if we could keep pressing people to be that way in every leadership role, whether it's your local um, superintendent, the principal of your building, if it's a legislator, if it's you know the governor, whoever, you know, if we just keep pressing that we want people to be honest and we want people to do things for the right reason. And I know in Kentucky Teachers in the Know, um, we get accused a lot of being, as you said, very liberal. And sometimes people come at me or other people in the group and they say, you don't like it when people have different ideas. And I always come back to those people if I get to address them personally. And I, and I try to explain to them that this group is for teachers and it's yeah. for educators. And in doing that, we have to discuss education issues. And those education issues cannot, I cannot personally, and neither can anyone else in the group help if they tend to be more towards one political side versus the other. Sure. And that is because that we have sense. made political issues into, or we made education issues into a political agenda. And that's what it comes out to be. That does not mean, though, that I won't work with people on the other side. And that's what we have to get a, a, a difference of opinion. We have to stop saying, and I try to push this in the group and it, it, you know, it's kind of futile, but you know, we have to stop saying this is a Democrat versus Republican thing. We need to start re referring to it as this is a public education issue. And here are my ideas versus someone else's idea. And because there are Republicans who are very public ed supportive. There are Democrats who are sometimes not public ed supportive. True. There that are people true. who say that they're fighting for public education and they're just really after some power or whatever. So, you know, it's sometimes at the end of the day when you know as much as I do, it's kind of you sit back and you think, wow, maybe somebody else should pick my brain or get in here for a while and take over because it's overwhelming. But truly, at the end of the day, it's about doing the right thing. And you can't make other people do that. All we can do is keep role modeling it. We keep showing people the right way to do it and hope it catches on. Um, other than that, I don't know how you make someone else do the right thing. Sure. It's very difficult, but sure. I keep talking to them and I keep telling them why we're fighting for things the way we are and they do listen. And I, I'll be honest with you. I have, you know, I have many supporters that would probably consider themselves on the opposite side of the table as I am, but they know that I'm honest and they know that I'm a good listener and that even if we don't agree, I will listen and they will listen to me. And I think that's what's most important at the end of the day. We need more people to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I def definitely agree. Um, we're definitely, it's definitely a losing battle when we make education political. Um, when we, when we say that one side is pro pro public education, the other side is not, um, that is just a, a sweeping generalization. And then we fall into that trap that I feel like, you know, we're falling into as a society of just, you know, it's us versus them and, and it should not be like that. Um, and, and I love the fact that you said, um, I try to be real. I try to be kind. I try to build trust. Um, yeah, we just need more of that. So I appreciate that, you know, um, build a bigger table. Mm -hmm. There you go. Or bring your own table, bring your own chair if you have to, but bring it and sit down and, and don't be afraid to speak up. That's what I tell people. Amen. Amen. All right. Miss Allison, um, I feel like we really have had a good conversation about this. Um, about this, this idea about communication, about getting everybody at the same table, about um, breaking down barriers that are kind of keeping us siloed, so to speak. Um, I love your analogy about just going into your classroom, closing the door and, you know, because I was a teacher for 10 years, I know what that's like. And now I've been in administration for five years and um, yeah, you're, you're really, you're, you're spot on. If we don't open those doors and we don't listen to to everybody, um, 
we're going to get a very biased view of education um, and probably not a view of education that everybody would want. And so I appreciate what you've said this evening. Um, anything else you want to leave us with before we start to wind this thing down? Sure. You know, I was just thinking when you said that about the open doors in the classrooms, one of the things that I really hope to change, and I hope that we're headed in the right direction, is the fear that some teachers and administrators have about speaking up. Yeah. You know, we still have the, you know, kind of good old boys system in the state of Kentucky. It's not everywhere and it is changing for the better. Thank goodness. I see lots of wonderful, positive things happening, but I still get daily, weekly messages from teachers who say, can you post this for me? Or can you find out for me? I'm so scared to ask because my principal or my superintendent or the teacher next door doesn't like for people to ask questions. And I really, I just really hope we get to the point where people are okay with asking questions. I tell people all the time, I ask for whatever I want. And whatever I think needs to happen, because the worst they can tell me is no. And then I'm not off. I'm not any worse off than I was. And honestly, no just tells me I need to figure out a different way. <laughs> <laughs> so that tells me I need to ask it a different That's right. way or find a right. different route. That's right. So, you know, I'm pretty headstrong. Ten years ago, I was not this person. It took my son being diagnosed with dyslexia to figure out that I needed to speak up for people that could not speak up for themselves. And, um, you know. Sometimes things happen in our lives that put us where we're supposed to be. And even though I would take all of this back to make life not such a struggle for him in a heartbeat, I also realized that because of the work we've done, because of his diagnosis, that there's a lot of children whose lives have changed because of that. That's um, so, you know, you have to look at life a little differently sometimes, but I'm, I'm glad I spoke up for that. And that led to many different things. And I'm still speaking up and I will continue to speak up for teachers and anyone in public ed and especially our students. So that's that's what I'm hoping others will start to do and, and stepping outside their classroom. You know, open that door and be willing to go to a conference or something else that's going on or listen to a podcast and open your mind to new ideas and things because sometimes we also get stuck inside those four walls and we forget that there's a different world out there and we forget that we need to sometimes open our minds to change and change is hard but that's what we need to do. That's right. Okay. Well, I've got two things that I definitely want to say after that. Um, number one, thank you for the courage. I know what it's like sometimes um, to be the only one in a room uh, speaking up and, and sometimes how lonely sometimes that can feel. Um, but thank you. Thank you for doing the, the good work. Um, I too, am, I am unapologetically um, pro-public education, um, pro-kids, pro-teachers. Um, and sometimes people haven't liked what I said, but, you know, people are always going to know where my heart comes comes from. And, and they can agree with me. They can disagree with me. Um, but I'm never going to fight you about it, like you said. Um, and then the second thing that, that, that your um, conversation really sparked in me is, have you read the book, uh, by Malcolm Gladwell, David and Goliath. I have not, but I'm writing okay. it down right now. Okay, so there is this section in there, and I and I reference this all the time when I talk about kids. Um, he studied. He 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 talked about this study of um, they took all of the Fortune 500 CEOs and looked at all those CEOs and something like 30% of all of those CEOs had dyslexia as a kid. 
Um, and he mm -hmm. turned it into a conversation that sometimes a weakness turns out to be a strength. Um, he talks about the fact that, you know, here are these kids that are so used to failure that before long, failure is not scary. And what he postulates or posits or whatever the word is, is that these, these kids that were born with dyslexia, after a while, they're not afraid of failure. So they went on to form their own businesses. And if one business failed, oh, well, I'll just try another one. Um, and so I always try to tell my students that story. Um, and, I, and I tend to, we, when we talk about ACE scores and I talk about stress and I talk about, uh, especially my EBD students, as you know, a lot of those, I'd say the majority of those kids don't come from wonderful households. Um, but if we can get them to see that sometimes what one would see as a weakness could in fact be their strength. Um, I, I just felt like you needed to hear that. You should pick up that book. Your son needs to read that book. It is phenomenal. It really changes the way you think about weaknesses. I love that. And I definitely want to check it out. I'm going to add a little bit, a tidbit of info to your knowledge bank. Yeah, here. please. Um, about 48, 50% of NASA employees also have dyslexia. No way. I'm told that they actually put on their application because they want to know if you think differently, if That's you right. think outside the box. Because That's right. Because people with dyslexia are not going to necessarily read instructions, but they're going to figure out things because, like you said, they've had to find a different way to get there. So I, I wanted to add that to your your bank of knowledge there. So when you talk to people, um, but yes, it's very interesting because they do think differently and, and they're quite um, smart fellas. And that's a good thing. It's a definitely good thing. Okay. So Miss Allison, um, I'm going to wind us down. First off, like I said, thank you very much uh, for agreeing to be on the Big Ed Idea podcast. Um, thank you for advocating for our noble profession um, all the way on the other side, well, kind of on the other side of the state. Um, thank you for being unapologetic on your stances. And um, I tell you what, I'm in your corner. If you ever need anything on the Western side of the state, um, hit me up. Uh, if you're ever over here, hit me up. I'll take you out to dinner or something. Um, but if there's anybody out there that is listening, and they would like to connect with you, how can they do so? Well, the easiest way, if they're on Facebook, is to join Kentucky Teachers in the Know, and you That's can right. message me from there. Um, other than that, you know, I have an email address through my school. It's allison.sloan at rowan.kyschools.us. They're more than welcome to email me and ask me questions anytime. I'd be happy to hear from them. Um, but the easiest way, of course, is on Twitter or um on Facebook, but Facebook's probably the easiest way. Okay. We also have a public page if people are not in the closed group. There's a public Kentucky Teachers in the Know oh, as well. okay. Okay. What's your Twitter handle? Uh, well, let me look. Isn't that funny how that's one of those things that you just don't know right off the top of your head? And that's, listen, it, and that's okay. It is at Joe Allison. So J-O-A-L-L-I-S-O-N underscore Sloan, S-L-O-N-E. All right. Miss Allison, thank you very much for uh, being thank on the you, video. Thank you, Ron, for having me. This has been wonderful and a lot of fun. It has been a lot of fun. You know, the uh, I, I could talk about education all day long, as you could. 
Um, but oh, it's, it's nice to meet a kindred spirit. Um, and it's nice to meet somebody that is fighting the good fight along with me. So thank you. Always fighting the good fight. Always. Okay. And to my big Ed idea listeners, once again, thank you for pushing play. Um, you know, the gift of time, that is, you know, one of the best things that you could give somebody. And I just appreciate you um, taking the time to listen to Allison and I this evening or this morning or whenever. Um, but please don't be a stranger. If you have any uh, feedback, anything, you know, you want to you want to talk about that in relating in, in relation to this episode, please hit me up, hit Miss Allison up. Um, you know, the world only changes by big ideas and the world only changes by getting groups of people that are crazy enough to change the world. So please hit me up at Ryan C. Scott 1981 on Twitter. Um, you can find my website now at ryanscotted.com. Um, let's see what else you can find me on Instagram at Ryan Scott 1981 or on Facebook world. You can find me there as well. Um, hit me up. Let me know what you think. If you've got an idea, let's, let's talk about it. Um, and I'm going to close this like I always do my grandpa Janoski, uh, the six foot six, 280 pound blue collar worker that grew up in Western Virginia in the coal mining towns. He would always tell me every time I left his house, he'd say, Ryan, I'll see you in the funny picture. Thank you for hanging out with me here on the Big Ed Idea Podcast. My hope is that this would be a conversation, a meeting of the minds and a space for one person's vision to inspire the passions of another. However, none of this can happen without you. So let's be change agents together and build a better future. Please subscribe or reach out to me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Come to the conversation with your passion and together let's build something awesome. Until next time, I'll see you in the funny paper.